Well, good morning, everybody. For those of you I do not know, my name is Mike. It's an honor to welcome you here to North Star as we continue our Echo series as we talk about lives from Scripture that still echo even today. So I want you to do me a favor. Take your Bibles, turn to the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 27 is where we're going to camp out. Matthew chapter 27. If you have the North Star app, probably the easiest way to follow along, North Star Church Georgia in the app store, and you can download the notes there, and they're right there. They're easy. Uh, you are also given a sermon note sheet because today's a day that's got your name written on it. Um, you know, we've been in this Echo series for the past few weeks, and the very first week, Stephanie and I talked about what it means to have a life that echoes through a life like Lydia. Lydia was this incredible business lady who, by a riverbank one day, hears the gospel of Jesus, hears Paul and the guys teaching, and goes, I want that. And the Bible says something really interesting. It said, her and her whole household were saved that day, they came to know Christ and were baptized. And we know Lydia became the first convert in Europe. And the gospel spread all throughout Europe because of a person named Lydia. So she received it, she passed it on. It's a great, great part of the story of uh, how things spread. Not a perfect person, she was a, she was a merchant. But yet God used her story to affect other stories and her life echoed for generations, and even today we still read the story. And then the second week, uh, Larry Grace, uh, who was just hosting here in Compass, Larry and I talked about the Samaritan woman, this person that had a checkered past, that had a, that, that uh, her, her marital status was uh, sort of in limbo, and she's by the well, and, and she wants water. Jesus says, I'll offer you living water. She didn't get what he was talking about, and finally... It all connects for her. And the Bible says something really interesting. It's probably my favorite part of week two. The Bible says that she went back to her town, to her village, and listen to what it says. Saying, there I've met a man who knows everything about me. And really, you could fill in the blank and loves me anyways. I met a man that knows everything about me. How many of you would say there's things about you you would rather people not know? Raise your hand, all right? And, and she was one like that, but yet he knew it and he loved her. Remember, she said, uh, I don't have a husband. He said, that's right. You've had five husbands and the man you're living with, here, living with right now is not your husband. And he never stopped the conversation. Why? Because that was the point of the story. I am what you're missing. It was week two. Week three, we talked about Joanna, this, this person who's been healed, um, this person that's been released, begins to follow Jesus. Her husband was the CFO for King Herod, the worst guy in the kingdom, but yet she meets Jesus, and we notice in the book of Acts and in Romans, two people in the early church that met Jesus, and the only trace, the only dots we can connect is back to a lady named Joanna who used her life to influence generations. It echoed. The character we're going to talk about today didn't do anything with the story. The story isn't about what he did. The story is about what he received. 
And that's what we're going to talk about today. And probably, let me say this, of all the people, he'll be the one you identify with the most. Would y'all stand with me today? Matthew chapter 27 we're going to start reading in verse 15. If at any point I'm saying something and you're not reading it on the screens or in your Bible on your app, just look up because I'm chatting. All right, here we go. Matthew chapter 27, verse 15. Now it was the governor's custom each year during the Passover celebration to release one prisoner to the crowd, anyone they wanted. All right, time out real quick. In the Jewish Passover, they would all the Jews would come to the city. So they're all there. So what is about to happen was not a one-off. It happened every year. It was a custom of the governor to release. But, but he was hoping this was, day was going to be a little different. We're going to talk about why here in a second. This year, there was a what kind of prisoner? What's it say? Notorious. A notorious prisoner. He wasn't your run-of-the-mill prisoner. He was a notorious prisoner. His rap sheet wasn't this long. It was like this long. It was, he was a bad guy. I want to talk about more in, here in a second. There was a notorious prisoner, a man named Barabbas. As the crowds gathered before Pilate's house that morning, he asked them, which one do you want me to release to you, Barabbas or Jesus called the Messiah. He knew very well the Jewish leaders had arrested Jesus out of envy. He knew that there were no charges really to, to stick against him. Verse 19, just then as Pilate was sitting on the judgment seat, his wife sent him this message. Leave that innocent man alone. I suffered through a terrible nightmare about him last night. All right, everybody look up real quick. So she tells Pilate, her husband, who's the governor of the land, the dude, all right, she tells him, let Jesus off. I had a terrible nightmare about that innocent man last night. So Pilate has an option to listen to her nightmare or she'll become his nightmare, right? Y'all work here with me in the story real quick, basically. You can read between the lines if you've been married for a little while. Here we go. Verse 20. Meanwhile, the leading priests and the elders, they persuaded the crowd. The crowd did not come in to do what they did. They were persuaded. They persuaded the crowd to ask for Barabbas to be released and for Jesus to be put to death. So the governor asked again, which of these two do you want me to release to you? And the crowd shouted back. What did they shout back? Pilate responded, then what should I do with Jesus, the one called the Messiah? And they shouted back to him. What did they say back? What does it say? This isn't turning out so good for Pilate. Why? What crimes he committed? But the mob roared even louder crucify him and Pilate saw he wasn't getting anywhere and that a riot was developing so he sent for a bowl of water and he washed his hands before the crowd saying I am innocent of this man's blood this responsibility is yours Pilate's like I'm out I don't have anything to do with this and he washes his hands but the response back is always the part we've left out of the story. Look at what the crowd said, and all the people yelled back, well, we'll take responsibility for his death, we and our children. 
So Pilate released Barabbas to them. He ordered Jesus flogged with a lead-tip whip, then turned him over to the Roman soldiers to be crucified. Would you pray with me? Father, it's easy to remember this story on Easter. And sometimes it's hard to remember this story in June. Father Barabbas is left in Scripture maybe for us today. God, would you speak to us? Would you teach us? Would you show us what you have for us today? Whether we're sitting in a live venue or we're watching in the theater or the many, many that are watching from vacation in their homes and maybe even a team bus getting ready for a regional baseball game. Wherever they're watching from, Father, would you speak to our lives and our hearts? It's in Jesus' name that I pray. And everybody said... Would you turn around, find three people you hadn't met before, and introduce yourself to them, would you? This is a great story. In fact, I would, I would even say it's the story that you and I have the most in common with. Let's, let's unpack this real quick. So here's what we know about Barabbas. Barabbas was a guy in jail, in prison, to be put to death, and he was worthy to be put to death. He wasn't just a prisoner. He was what kind of prisoner? Notorious. Murderer insurrection, all, all the stuff. Barabbas means, the, the name means son of the father. Interesting. One of the other gospels records his, his surname was Jesus Barabbas. Jesus, son of the father. We're going to have a transposing today of one Barabbas, son of the father, and a, another who was Jesus the Christ, who was also the son of his father. And that day, there's going to be a, a mix. No matter how you walked in today, the setup of today is this, and we're going to dive in our notes. You and I are Barabbas. Whether you've ever thought of yourself that way, whether you're, you may, which of the disciples am I most like? Well, I'm pretty outgoing. I bet Simon Peter was like that. Well, of all the disciples, let's pull back another story in the New Testament. You and I are Barabbas. 
of all the people that we've talked about all these weeks, you may not be a person who's got a story like the Samaritan woman. You may not be a, a, a wife of, of a rich man who you use your influence. No, the reality is the one story we all have in common is Barabbas. So if you got your notes today and fill in, let, let's dive into this real quick. Barabbas... And you and me have an undeniable guilt. There was no question of Pilate. There was no question of the prison guard. There was no question of anybody in that crowd who Barabbas was. In fact, there's, there's a lot of scholars, and, and the, nobody really knows, but there's a lot of scholars that think that the thief on the right, the th I got my left and right. All right, the thief on the left, we're out of school, it's summer. All right, the thief on the left and the thief on the right may have even been his partners in crime. Nobody really knows. But Barabbas had an undeniable guilt. There was nobody in the crowd going, he is imprisoned falsely. Barabbas hadn't done anything wrong. Nobody's saying that. Why? Because it was an undeniable guilt. He was guilty of the crime. These were public crimes. Insurrection, murder, even back during that day, were public crimes. They knew that Barabbas had done what they said he had done. And crucifixion was for those criminals that had Done crimes everybody knew about. It was an undeniable guilt. I love how scripture says it. This year there was a notorious prisoner, a man named Barabbas. And I love how Luke records it in verse 19. A man who had been thrown into prison for insurrection, started in the city, and for murder. They knew why Barabbas was there. It was undeniable. What do we have in common with Barabbas, we have an undeniable guilt too. Not like guilt here, like I feel guilty. No, 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 no. Here's what we can all say is an undeniable guilt. I want you to write this in under number one. And we're gonna unpack it and then move on. We all have sin. Would you write that down? And we are guilty. When we are born, we have a sin nature which separates us. Then we, we, just, we, we just add to the guilt, right? We add to our rap sheet. How many of you have ever told a small fib before? Raise your hand. How many of y'all have ever told a large fib before? All right, raise your hand. There we go. There, the honesty's working. Now parents who are sitting next to their kids, kids raise their hand. Parents are going, what do I not know? That's what you're asking. What do I not know? We've stolen We've cheated, we've had thoughts that weren't pure and good and just and holy. We've wanted, we've been jealous. Let me just add to the list. And we've piled up years. Sure, understand this. Just being born with a sin nature separates you from God, period period. 
You don't get to God because of your goodness. You get to God because of his grace. And that sin nature stands in between you and God. And then we just do nothing but add to the, we just add to it, right? That, that nature riles up. It's undeniable. And it isn't just, it just you, it's me. It's the one thing we all have in common. We're from different parts of the country. We all like different things. We're all gonna go eat different things. But the one thing we all have in common is we all have an undeniable guilt. I'm going to tell you something. Until you understand that, you can never meet the Savior who came for you. you got to recognize it's your story. It's not just the story of Barabbas. It's my story. Yes or no question, all right? Summer school, we all need to get an A in the summer and feel good about ourselves. So here's your summer school question. Really, really easy. Did Barabbas deserve the cross that was put up there for him, yes or no? Some of y'all don't sound real sure. Did Barabbas deserve the cross that was put up there for them, yes or no? Did Jesus deserve the cross that was put up there? Undeniable guilt. But why then did Jesus take the cross that was put up there for Barabbas? Think about this. So, so the crowd made the decision. I would argue the crowd didn't make the decision. The Lord made the decision. His father made the decision that Jesus had to go to the cross. Why? Second blank. Because it required an unblemished life. See, the, the sacrificial system was an interesting thing back then. Every Jew understood. The, so the Passover was all about going back to the time of Moses when the death angel passed over and they would put blood on the door doorpost so the, the death angel would pass by, right? It goes back to then. Well, then in the New Testament, when we begin reading in the sacrificial system of the beginning before Christ, to pardon you, to cover your sin, which we all agreed we got, something unblemished had to die to cover that sin. So there is no atonement without the shedding of blood. So they would take a spotless lamb and you would... You would Cut that lamb, and that lamb would die for your family's sins, basically, and that, that blood would cover your sin. Jesus wasn't just not guilty of the charges that were laid out on him, all right? Even Pilate goes, listen, what's he, what's he even done? So it's not like he's just not guilty of the charges put on him. Get this, this is, this is crazy. He wasn't guilty of any charges. It wasn't like he wasn't causing an insurrection. He never lied at all. He never stretched the truth. Jesus never wanted what you had. Jesus never just got 
angry for no reason because your donkey cut off his donkey and you had a lift sit magnet and he's mad at you, all right? That never happened. He was innocent. And here's what I want you to write under number two. And I want you to get this because you got to get this. He was perfect. Perfect. He was perfect. There was no charge could ever be held to Jesus. He was an unblemished life. Well, then, Mike, why would a perfect Savior die on a cross that wasn't his? Because he had to for you and me. Second uh, Corinthians 5:21, "For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin, so we would be made right with God through Christ." The innocent was made guilty. And the guilty was declared innocent. Unblemished life. If any other prisoner had been pulled out and died, their life would not affect your life. But only his death could have done what it did. Why? Because his blood, get this, everybody look at me. His blood covered your sin. And it covered mine. So remember, it's not just the story of Barabbas. We are Barabbas. Barabbas did nothing to walk free other than the man named Jesus who was the other prisoner died in his place. Unblemished life. And Barabbas and us, third blank, get an undeserved freedom. Barabbas hadn't turned his life around in prison. Barabbas wasn't part of the prison ministry of the day. Barabbas was as guilty of the crimes as he committed as he had ever been. And yet, on that day, keys were put into his locks and Barabbas walked free. Undeserved. He did nothing to deserve it. To our knowledge, Barabbas doesn't go on and do great things with his life. We have no idea what happened to Barabbas. He just disappears. There's lots of folklore, there's lots of traditions, but nobody really knows. If you were sitting across the coffee table from Barabbas and you said, how in the world did you get off? His story would have to end up with the phrase, God died on my behalf and I got out. All charges, get this, were dropped. So whoever Barabbas murdered, the guy who committed the murder went unpunished. Un 
deserved freedom. And here you and I sit in 2023. Pilate said, release the prisoner. He went free. You and I have an undeniable guilt. But the story of Barabbas wasn't just the freedom he found. It's the story you and I can find. So in our study this week, through Cole on our staff, came across this old video that was done a few years ago by a pastor that I just can't make better. Like I just can't, I can't say it the way he said it. Rather than me just telling you about it, I want you to see it, hear it, and feel it. Check it out, would you? We see the story of Jesus going to the cross and everything seems to kind of be hand in hand. And then there's this one character that seems to interrupt the narrative. His name's Barabbas. We don't even know much about him except that he's a murderer, a leader of an insurrection, a rebel. And why he's even mentioned, sometimes I'm not so sure. It's like, what? Let's, this is about Jesus going to the cross. So in this moment, Pilate thinks, I hold the destinies of these two men in my hand. I know the Jews have a tradition that on a holy day, I will release one of the prisoners on death row. Pilate stands on this audacious stage who now presents Jesus, son of the living God, versus Barabbas, the thug and rebel. He says, all right, who do you want? This is blasphemy. This is, this has gone too far. There's no comparison. This is a rightful prisoner, a man who should be on death row. He's a rebel against Rome. He leads a rebellion. He murders people. He's a bad man. He's a thug and he's a crook. He deserves the chains and he deserves the crucifixion. Jesus, what has he done but heal, restore, deliver, set free? Open blind eyes, open deaf ears, heal the lame and the leper. What, what has Jesus done? Who do you want? We, we want Barabbas. Yeah, give us Barabbas. give us Barabbas. The Roman soldiers come up and they put the key in and they unlock Barabbas from his chains and shackles and he walks down the platform welcomed by all of his thug friends. Yeah, the people love me. Yeah, that's right. I don't even know who this Jesus guy is, but all I know is my people love me. There seems to be no conscience in Barabbas. There's no record of him turning to Jesus and saying, I owe you everything now for you have set me free. No, I don't see any of that in Barabbas. God knew that. Jesus stood there, silent for he knew the will of the Father. He said, it's fine, Father. Let him have Barabbas. For Jesus knew that the Father 
would have to treat Jesus like Barabbas so he could treat Barabbas like Jesus. Barabbas thought it was the people that set him free. No, 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 no. It was the love of the Heavenly Father. When I look at the story, I realize who Barabbas really is. That's me. That's you. That's us. And I felt I was reading this the other day, and I felt God speak to me. I love Barabbas. I love him. But God, he's a bad man. I love him. And I wanted him to go free. But didn't you know that he probably would have never acknowledged the freak? Yeah, but I love Barabbas. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God sent his son for Barabbas. Even the one he knew would walk away from Jesus and his free gift and never come back. He loves them. And the nerve, the call, and the audacity of believers to think, I got saved by grace, but now that I'm in this deep, dark place of bondage, I better work hard to get myself out. What? That's the opposite of the gospel. Are you bound? Are you held under the power of this temptation, this sin? Do you feel like it's controlling you? What are you going to do? I'm going to shake myself free. Stop it! No, you won't! You're no match for the powers of hell and the urges of sin. You will not overcome it and you will never overcome it. You'll just be another statistic. There's no answer within yourself. Your own marriage, your own goodness, your own discipline, your own devotion will not save your marriage and will not save your kids. There's only one. And he's the one that took your place. He's the one that stood silently on the platform with Pilate and said, yes, let him have Barabbas. Take me. How many times have I stood on that platform with Pilate and Jesus and I'm the Barabbas? And they start to take my chains off. And I say, no, no, I deserve this. I deserve the guilt. I deserve the shame. I deserve the consequence. I deserve it. Jesus seems to look at me and say, no, son. Let me have it. Let me have your sin. Let me have your pain. No, God, I did it to myself. I deserve it. My marriage won't make it. This is what I deserve. I deserve divorce. I deserve poverty. I deserve sickness. I deserve it all. No! God, I, I'm so ashamed. Give me your shame. But God, what if I do it again? I'll still be here. God, I don't want to hurt you. I love you. I, I don't want to do this anymore. Give me your sins, son. This is all we got. It's all I got. It's all you got. We can play games. We can play church games. 
We can pretend like some people are better than others and that's why they're blessed or we can all come to the honest conclusion that it's God and it's God alone. The greatest challenge is not your discipline, your devotion, your focus. Your greatest challenge is believing the gospel. Could it be that there's a God with a love so scandalous, so wide, so deep, so vast, so high, so expansive, so welcoming, so inclusive? Let me have your sin, son. Okay. When I give him my sin, I stand in this empty space of forgiveness and acceptance while Jesus walks off to the cross that I deserve. I see him, I see him walking to the post to be whipped. As I stand a free man, all the attention is turned now. And I feel the love of God saying, go son, live your life. I'll pay the price. Where did we get off? Thinking that we were gonna set ourselves free. It's still Jesus. It'll always be Jesus. It'll never stop being the power of Jesus. If his blood is sufficient for your salvation, his blood is sufficient to sustain you through every challenge and every sin and every temptation. Jesus is enough. You know, does make you wonder about Barabbas, doesn't it? I wonder if hours later he walked by and looked up there and went, that should be me. I don't know. I think no story's ever great till you put yourself in the story. Barabbas didn't get what he deserved, and nor did Jesus. The way they had it set up back then is the prison cells were right under where the governor was. I read one author, and he said this. Probably the only two words Barabbas could hear when all the shouting started was Barabbas crucify. Then he's brought up and he's set free. And he walked out in freedom. Everybody look at me. He accepted the gift. The cross that was intended for you had a sinless son on it because he knew there was no other way for you to get to heaven without it. Would you pray with me? Nobody moving. I don't want anybody getting up in our rooms. Some of you today, you're like, holy smokes, Mike. 
I didn't know. Why would he do that? Because he wanted to. He could have gotten up, he could have walked away, could have called 10,000 angels. He didn't because he wanted to die in your place. So you could walk free. For some of you today, for the very first time, the light bulb came on. You said, I am Barabbas. And he died for me. Boy, if that's you. words to the cry of your heart today, would you just pray this prayer? And it really isn't the prayer. It's just words that tell Jesus what you want. Dear Jesus, thanks for taking my place. Thank you for dying for my sin covering it with your blood. Jesus, I believe you live for me. Jesus, I believe you died for me. And Jesus, I believe you rose again just for me. Jesus, come into my heart as my Lord and Savior. some of you watching online, sitting in our venues this morning. You did it. If you're here today and you say, Mike, I prayed that prayer today for the very first time. I got it. I got it. I got it. The light's on. I got it. I'm going to count to three and on three, I just want you to put your hand up. All over the last service, our room was covered in hands. If today you say, Mike, I prayed that prayer with you for the first time today, and I got it. I'm going to count to three. And on three, I just want you to lift your hand up right where you are. One, two, three. Just put your hand up right where you are today. Father, we don't know if Barabbas ever understood what Jesus did. But there's a bunch of people in this room today who did. Father, may we find now who we are in you. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on our behalf. It's in your name that we pray. And everybody said, would y'all join me today and welcome all the folks to the Lord's family today. Woo!